Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Glad to see you here today. Welcome. Uh, it's a wonderful day. It's a beautiful day outside, and it's good to be in God's house this morning with God's people. And uh, hope and pray that God will bless you in a great way this morning. Uh, we welcome our guests, especially this morning. You're very important to us. We're glad that you are here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together. And I'd like to remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to take those and to fill them out so we could have a, a record of your attendance with us this morning. If you could do that, we would certainly appreciate that. Uh, several announcements that we have coming up. Uh, it is May, and it's going to be a busy month. But I want to tell you something, folks. It is going to be a great month. Uh, we've got a lot of good things happening. Beginning next week on... Um, on next Friday, we're going to be beginning our Dawnings Retreat. Harry Rowland will be here on Friday and Saturday and on Sunday to lead us through this retreat. And Harry is a lot of fun. He's, uh, he's funny, and uh, he's also very inspirational. So I hope that you can be here for that. We're going to begin on Friday evening, uh, kind of like our, our Wednesday evening uh, schedule. We'll, be, we'll begin with dinner on Friday evening about 530 and then we'll start the, the uh, program that night at about 6.30 and uh, go on until about 8 or 8.30 or so. And then on Saturday morning, we'll have uh, coffee and donuts at 8.30, and then the retreat will start at 9, and we'll have a uh, light lunch and go on through, through that afternoon. And then a regular Sunday schedule, except for one thing. This has nothing to do with the retreat. Sunday also happens to be what? Mother's Day. Very good. You get an A, folks. <laughs> Mother's Day. And we are going to be celebrating Mother's Day in a big way because the men of the church are going to be cooking breakfast for the women of the church. And that will be at 830 on Sunday morning, next Sunday morning. If you would like to help cook or to, if you can provide some uh, financial resources uh, to help with the, the meal, Please see Bob Crafton. There he is back there. And uh, he'll be sure to sign you up there. He, he says especially financial. <laughs> the following week on Saturday, on May the 17th, uh, Dr. Glenn Henson will be with us. And he'll be leading us with a spiritual retreat that day. And I hope that you can be here for that as well. Uh, we, uh, that'll begin about 9 o'clock. And that'll be at St. Margaret's uh, Chapel down on, uh, on Watson. Uh, also coming up on May the 27th through 30th, we will be uh, holding a, an in-town mission trip. We're not going out of town. We're going to do our mission trip in town, and um, we'll be doing some things to help people out through that, uh, through that time. And we need a couple of things. First of all, we need volunteers to help us during this time uh, to, to do some projects of service to people. And the second thing we need is we need a, a list of, uh, of needs, of some things that people need uh, taken care of. And so if you could get that to us, if you know of somebody who needs something that needs to be done and they can't do it themselves, uh, let us know at the church and, and we'll see what, what we can do to take care of that. Also, uh, we're signing up for our Extreme Build next month. And if you'd like to go, there's a sign-up sheet on the table uh, as you go out there, and we hope that you can share in that. It's a great ministry, and that's over in McCreary County. And um, 
we have a, a, an announcement to make, and that is Samantha English graduated from college yesterday. And so we celebrate with her, and, uh, and I know that uh, we're all proud of her, and we're glad that she has accomplished so much. And so tell her thank you, Lou. Take, tell her congratulations for us. It's good to share this time in, um, in God's name and in God's communion with each of you. And it's good to share, to allow us to share this together. So let's do just that. Let's stand and share the, the love of God with one another as we greet one another in the name of the Lord. Tim. Messiah 
Isolated believers. Anticipation, forgotten dreams, splendid people, hurting hearts, unresolved questions, memories of nourishing meals, hard decisions, desires to walk with you, holding back. In remembrance of him, we eat the bread of life and drink the cup of the new covenant. This is the heart of the gospel. Thanks be to God. Good morning. You'll find your word of scripture. We're reading from the gospel of Luke, chapter 24. Verses 13 through 35. And behold, two of them were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. And he said to them, 
What are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still, looking sad. One of them, named Cleopas, answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word in the sight of God and of all the people, and how the chief priest and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us when they were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, He explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scripture. And they approached the village where they were going, and he acted as though he were going further. But they urged him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. Then their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem, and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them, saying, The Lord has really risen and just appeared to Simon. They began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. Thanks be to God for the reading of his word. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Pam. Good morning, pretty dress. Y'all look so pretty. Come on. Come on, Grace. Well, Pastor Tim today is going to speak a word that, you know, I don't even use too often, but the word is despair. Hmm. What does that mean? Well, have you ever been sad about something? Have you just been sad Maybe a puppy died, or you lost your best friend, or something, whatever. Well, despair is when you just lose all hope. You're just down and down and down. You just don't think you're going to come back up. Well, I'm going to tell something a little personal this morning, if I can get through it. Okay. One too long ago that I was very, very sick, and I was in the hospital, and little did I know I had surgery, 
and don't remember a lot of that. And when I, the first thing I really remember was opening my eyes and looking into the eyes of my sister. And that particular visit, my good friend Pat didn't. And suddenly, I thought, I'm, 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 I'm awake. I'm here. I, this, is, this is good. I had a long ways to go. But then I knew that I needed to look towards doctors, look towards the nurses, my good friends, my church friends, Royce back there that sat with me for many hours, people that encourage you. And once I began to look towards them, I also knew I had to look to Jesus. And through prayer and lots of help, I got well, and I'm very grateful for that. So when you're down and out, when you're very sad, when you think, there's no way I'm going to be happy again, try to remember there are ways that we can get out of ourselves, help others. Uh, I'll tell you one way. You know one way to do it? Could y'all just hug each other? Turn around and just hug. Give them a hug. Can y'all give hugs? I give it. Would you give me a hug? Would you give me a hug? Huh? Hugs? That's a good way. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, again, about turning our eyes to Jesus. You know, there's a song that goes all about that. And in the chorus it says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face for the Things of earth, all about us, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I am very thankful today. Good.
Let us pray. Creator of the universe, you made the world in beauty and restore all things in glory. Through the victory of Jesus Christ, we pray that wherever your image is still disfigured by poverty, sickness, selfishness, war, and greed, the new creation in Jesus Christ may appear in justice, love, and peace. To the glory of your name, we give your tithes, our offerings to you this morning. Amen. Karl Barth was um, one of the 20th century's most famous and preeminent theologians. He was on a streetcar one day in Basel, Switzerland, where he lived and taught. Um, And as he was on the streetcar, a tourist climbed onto the streetcar and sat down right next to him. And so the two started chatting with one another and Uh, Bart asked the the tourist, are you new to the city? And the the man said, yes, this is my first time here. And so Bart asked him, is there anything that you would particularly like to see in the city? And he said, yes, I'd love to meet the famous theologian, Karl Bart. Do you know him? And Bart replied, well, as a matter of fact, I do. I give him a shave every morning.
And so the tourist got off the streetcar, quite delighted with himself, thinking all along that he had met Karl Barth's barber. That amuses me. That t- tourist was in the presence of the very person that he most wanted to meet. But even with the most obvious hint, he never realized that the man with whom he was speaking was the great man himself. It kind of reminds me of Mary's reaction on Easter Sunday morning. In her grief, she thought that the man she was speaking with was the gardener. But of course, he was not. Until he called her by name, she did not realize that she was actually speaking with the risen Christ himself. And of course, it also reminds us of that scene on the road to Emmaus when later on that same day, Two of his disciples were walking along and talking together and talking with the resurrected Jesus. And they, too, had no idea who he was. Now, each of the gospel writers tells the the Easter story in a different way. And for many of us, this this adds a note of authenticity to these stories. You see, these were the jumbled reports of eyewitnesses to the most dramatic event in human history when Jesus was raised from the dead. So these were not carefully orchestrated works of fiction. No one was trying to reconcile the differing accounts. They had no desire to convince us that these events actually happened. They were simply reporting what they had experienced in their own words. In Luke's account, The women took spices and went down to the tomb early on Easter morning. And and they found that the stone had been rolled away, but Christ's body was not there. Then it tells about them seeing two angels. And the angels asked them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. So they went back to where the disciples were staying and, and told them what had happened. But Luke tells us that the disciples did not believe them because their words seemed like nonsense. So things were not quite resolved for them, for the disciples on that first Easter morning, were they? Things were still a little confusing and they didn't have all all the pieces were not fitting together yet. And that's why the story of these men on the road to Emmaus is so important to Luke's gospel. Evidently, these men were there when the women shared their story about the empty tomb that morning. They were there when the women talked about the angels and what they had said. And now they were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles away from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had taken place over the past week. And and we really don't know who these men men are. Uh, One of them is named Cleopas. Uh, But we don't know very much, don't know hardly anything at all about Cleopas. And it's been suggested that the other one was Luke himself, who omits his own name out of modesty. But that's just speculation. We really don't know. And we don't know why they were headed towards Emmaus. Maybe that's where they were from. And maybe in disappointment, they had concluded that their grand adventure of following Jesus was over. And so they were packing it in, heading back home. We don't know why they were headed to Emmaus. But what we do know is that as they walked and talked with each other about what they had experienced that week, 
Jesus himself came along and walked with them. But Luke tells us that they were kept from recognizing him. That's interesting, isn't it? They had both been followers of Jesus, but now he was walking right along with them, and they didn't even recognize him. <coughs> it makes me wonder if, just like with Mary, their despair stood in the way of seeing things clearly. Maybe their disappointment stood in the way of, of them seeing things as they are. They were disappointed with the way things turned out. And you know, that can happen sometimes, can't it? You lose hope. You give up on your dreams and you're, and you're blinded to the good things that are still around you. When Life Anderson was a boy, he grew up outside of New York City. And during those years, he was an avid fan of the old Brooklyn Dodgers. Well, one day, his father took him to a World Series baseball game between the Dodgers and the Yankees. And Anderson was so excited to go to this game. He was ready to cheer his Dodgers on. And he just knew that the Dodgers would, would trounce the Yankees. But unfortunately, the Dodgers never even got on base. And his excitement was shattered. Well, years later, he was engrossed in a conversation with a man whom he described as a walking sports almanac. And Life told the man about attending this World Series game. He said, it was such a disappointment. I was a huge Dodgers fan, and they never, never even got on base. And so the man said, you were there? You were at the game? The game when Don Larson pitched the first perfect game in World, World Series history? You were at that game? And Anderson said, um... Yeah, but um, we lost. And then he realized that he had been so caught up in his, his team's defeat that he missed out on the fact that he had been a witness to a far greater event, the first perfect game pitched in World Series history. Anderson says this. He said, how often does, does the same thing happen to us? We get so caught up in the defeats of our life, the times when things don't turn out the way we want them to. We get depressed because of an illness that continues to linger or when people don't treat us the way we think we should be treated or when we face a financial burden. But we are often so blinded by the pain and disappointment that we fail to appreciate the fact that we, we might be witnessing something far greater that God is doing in our lives. Those are pretty wise words, aren't they? Don't let temporary disappointments blind you to the good things that God is doing in your life. That's so important for us to hear, my friends. Don't let temporary disappointments blind you to the good things that God is doing in your life. Don't assume that any disappointment is God's last word on any situation. Jesus' followers thought that their dreams had turned to dust. 
their friend, their leader, their master was dead. And the last thing that they expected to see was to discover that he is really alive. And maybe that's why they didn't recognize him. They were blinded by their disappointment. Or maybe it was deliberate on Jesus' part. Maybe he kept his hood down low so that they couldn't get a good look at his face. And maybe he wasn't ready for, him, for them to, uh, to, to reveal himself to them at, at this point. We, we don't know, but, but evidently this stranger was preparing these two men for a wonderful revelation. And so as he joined them on the road, he asked them, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? And they stood there with their with sad faces and Cleopas asked, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know what's been going on there the past few days? And stranger said, what things? And they replied about Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet full of full, full of power and word and deed. But the chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. We had hoped that he would be the one who would set Israel free. And to add to the drama, it has been three days since he, all of this happened. And some of our, our women said that they went down to the tomb this morning and discovered that the body was missing. They came and told us what they had seen, that they had seen some angels and who said that he had come to life again. And then some of our companions went down to the tomb and found that it was true. The tomb was empty. But they didn't see Jesus. And then the stranger kind of turned the tables on them. He began to admonish them and said, How foolish you are. And how slow to believe what the prophets have spoken. Didn't they say that the Messiah would have to suffer these things and, and, and then enter into his glory? And then beginning with Moses and the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning them himself. And then as they approached Emmaus, Jesus acted like he was just going to keep on going on, on, the, on the road. But they urged him to stay with us. The day's almost over. And so he went in to stay with them. And then we come to one of the most beautiful passages in the Scriptures. When he was at the table, he took bread and he gave thanks. He broke it. He began to give it to them. And then, then, their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us as he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures for us? And so they immediately got up and went back to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and the others with them and they told them, it's true, the Lord has risen. And then they, they told them what had happened along the way to Emmaus and how, he had, how they recognized Jesus when he broke the bread. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. The story of two men who were in Christ's presence and didn't even know it, know it until he chose to reveal himself to them. And here's what I wonder, my friends. Is there anyone in this room today who is so distracted from your faith by some great disappointment or defeat? 
there's something going on in your life that's causing you to be distracted from your faith to the point that you can't see Jesus. Maybe you're blinded by your circumstances. Maybe you don't even know that when you are in this room, as you are today, you are in the presence of the risen Christ. Jesus tells us that we're where two or three people are gathered in my name, I'm here with you. John Calvin once said that the Bible is kind of like a pair of eyeglasses. And the, and the, and the Bible's not some kind of a spiritual encyclopedia where we can go to have all of our, answer, all of our questions answered. The fact is that, that even with years of studying the Bible, we may never understand why we have disappointments and defeats. There's so much of our, about our world and about our faith that we simply don't understand. But folk, folks, here's one thing. Here's the thing. Understanding is not the key to life. Faith is. Trusting God. You see, God's eyeglasses don't necessarily, necessarily allow us to see why we are going through a certain situation but they do allow us to see what step to take next. And they assure us that whatever the future holds, the one who holds the future will never, ever forget us nor forsake us. You've heard the expression that seeing is believing. Some of you may also have heard that the converse of that uh, is also true. That there are some things that we have to believe in order to see. Fact is that there are a couple of ways to look at life. One is through the eyes of skepticism and doubt. And the other one is through the eyes of faith and hope. And as we read the Gospels, we see that the only people that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection were, were his followers, the people who already believed in him. So in other words, you had to believe in order to see. And I think that this is a powerful lesson about the nature of faith. It tells us something about how we look at the world. Nelson Searcy uh, tells about visiting Walt Disney World uh, with his son a while back and had a magical time. Who can go to Disney without having a magical time? I mean, it's a great place, you know. But what they didn't realize was that they didn't realize it until they were about ready to leave, is that the people who designed Disney did something really creative. You see, they hid discrete images of Mickey Mouse all throughout the park. Little images. The images are simple. They're just three connected, intersecting circles that look like the outline of, of Mickey's head and his ears. And they're everywhere. They're etched into the pavement. They are painted on the, on the walls of the rides. They are built into the fences. They are arranged in the landscaping. I remember the last time I was at Disney seeing the image of Mickey in the spots on the side of a cow that they had there. Look for them the next time you go. Disney World is jam-packed with these subtle little images of hidden Mickey's. And most people don't even see them because they don't know to look for them. Cersei said that he and his son didn't know until they were ready to leave, but awareness is a powerful thing. You see, after they learned about these 
hidden Mickeys and they were headed towards the parking lot, they started seeing Mickeys all over the place. They were everywhere. They literally began to, to pop out of the woodwork. They had been at the park all day long without seeing a single one of these hidden Mickeys. And, but, but as soon as they became aware of their existence, they realized that they had been surrounded by them all day long. So maybe there are some things that must be believed in order to be seen. And that's the way it is with the life of faith. When something happens, either good or bad, some people see a remarkable coincidence, while others see the hand of God at work. You see, it makes a difference whether you're looking through the eyes of faith or through the eyes of skepticism. But it's amazing how often when you are looking through the eyes of faith, you'll see the work of God. And when you see the work of God, it increases your faith and your awareness of God's presence. I don't think it was an accident that Jesus had these men to recount the events of the week before, because I, I think he wanted them to focus on all that he had been through and all that they had been through and all that he had meant to them so that they would be prepared for him to reveal himself when the time was right. And that's why it's so important, I think, for us to gather here each week for worship. It's our time. This time is our time to put on the eyeglasses of faith. And I have no doubt that those who make the effort to be here every week to, to see God at work in their lives, they see God more than those who are casual in their worship attendance. It's just the way it works. In order to see Christ, you need to believe in Christ. And you need to regularly be in Christ's presence. And I also suspect that it was no coincidence that these two men became aware of Christ's presence when he broke bread with them. They had heard him say just a few days before, this is my body, which is broken for you. And my friends, people have discovered Christ in their midst for 2,000 years every time the bread is broken and the cup is shared in Holy Communion. And that's why I want to invite you today to receive the body and the blood of Christ. I want to invite you today to put on the eyeglasses of faith. Take off the, the glasses of skepticism and doubt. Because, folks, if you are able to do that, if you can, if you can look at life through the eyes of God and through the eyes of faith, then I promise you, Life will take on so a whole new meaning and so much more significance. Even those who were closest to him did not recognize him until they shook off their disappointment and their despair. But when they put on the eyeglasses of faith and realized that he was in their midst, their hearts burned within them with joy and with peace with the knowledge that the Lord Jesus Christ really was alive. 
And He is alive for you and for me today. We simply need to look to Him in faith and know that He is with us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look fully into His face. The things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Amen. We are going to share in Holy Communion today. I'd like to ask our deacons to come forward and prepare um, to serve in communion. We have the, the bread and the cup at the front, and we'd like to ask, if you would, to begin at the back and come down the middle aisle uh, to receive the bread and then move to either side um, to dip the bread into the cup um, and then return to your seats along the sides here. And this is an opportunity for you um, to put on the eyeglasses of faith. And I hope that that this experience today will be for you the same as it was for these two men along the road to Emmaus. It's my prayer that this experience for you, as the bread is broken, as the cup is shared, will be an opportunity for your eyes to be opened once again to the presence of Christ in your life. Because, folks, I want to tell you something. I know that that life can get down sometimes and life can burden us and, and, and weigh heavily upon us. We get busy. We get... We get trounced upon and and and, uh, and and things happen in our lives that just seem to be almost too much to bear. But you know what? With Christ's presence, with Christ present in your life, you can do anything. Because Christ is here to help us to shoulder the load. That gives us so much strength. And I hope that that will happen for you today as we share communion together.
as Christ broke the bread for the two men in Emmaus, their eyes were opened to see him. I hope you have experienced the presence of God in your life today. And I hope that this experience will take you through the week and the weeks ahead, no matter what you may face. Because I promise you, my friends, God is with you. God is with you, and that gives us strength. Let us uh, sing about that strength and that peace that God has given to us as in our closing hymn, I've Got Peace Like the River, number 418. Would you stand and, we, and let us sing. God, you have come among us and ransomed us from our futile ways, not with the perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. It is through him that we have come to love you and to trust you, O God. We have set our faith and our hope in you. Make all of these greater realities in our lives, because we have been in your presence. Amen. Thank you.